You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Or learn more about us online at theriverdurant.com. Ephesians chapter 1. We're still talking about uh, New Testament realities. We started last week on this and be talking about it for a little while, for a few weeks. I'm going to be sharing a series of messages called New Testament Realities. But if we have a, a subtitle to this message, I want to call it Jesus is Secret. And Jesus had a secret. For a long time he had a secret. He had a secret from the Jews. He hid something from the Jews he didn't tell them about. Didn't tell them about it any time. There were some... There were some Scant references in the Old Testament. Prophets would prophesy, but they didn't really know what it meant. It's obvious they didn't know what it meant because the Jews didn't act like they knew anything about it. That is, they didn't know anything about you. They didn't know anything about you. They knew nothing about Gentiles coming in. Even though God told them nations, they were still thinking wherever Jews are in every nation. That's what they were thinking. They didn't know anything about us. And Jesus revealed this mystery, he called it, of the Gentiles coming in by faith to Paul. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. So you were the secret that Jesus held in his heart for centuries until a, until a given point in time when a guy named Cornelius came into the family of God by faith. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Listen to He's talking about you. Don't you know that there were people in Ephesus that had jobs? Don't you know there were people in, in Ephesus that had wives and husbands? There were people in Ephesus that had the workaday stuff that you deal with. There were people in Ephesus that had cranky bosses. There were people in Ephesus that had bad thoughts about those cranky bosses. There were people in Ephesus who weren't performing probably in every detail like they should. How many of you are performing in every detail like you should? See, most of us aren't. These guys weren't either. But that did not preempt Paul from calling, him, calling them what they were in the spirit. He called them what they were in the spirit. Amen. Because what you are in the spirit is working its way out to what you are in the natural. Amen. But it's got to start in the spirit. The natural didn't create the spirit. The spirit created the natural. That which we see came from God, came from the invisible God. The natural comes from the supernatural, comes from the invisible. The visible comes from the invisible, not the, not the other way around. Man did not create God. God created man. Are you getting this? So before anything natural happens in your life, before you have any manifestations of good things, it has to first happen in the Spirit. And Paul is talking about that. Glory to God. All right. Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Now what that means is, because it's spiritual blessings in heavenly places, that doesn't mean it's future. It, that, that's just where the government seat is. That's just where the storehouse is. That's where they keep all your stuff. That's why you pray to unlock it. Amen. Okay, verse 4. 
according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Oh, he chose us in him that we should be holy before. Oh, he didn't say anything about how you perform. He said he chose us in him that we would be holy. You're not holy because you perform well. You're holy, and you will perform well, but I'm saying you're holy because of Jesus. Christianity, is this a deep, too deep a thought for you that Christianity is all about Jesus? <laughs> I don't know how, when we started making it about everything else, but Jesus. Glory to God. I feel excited today. I've been praying in tongues a bunch. Hope that doesn't scare you, but I speak in other tongues regularly. Verse 5, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood. Come on, say he's talking about me. Look at somebody else and say he's talking about you. The forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us. Say he's talking about me. Look at somebody and say he's talking about you. In all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will. Say, he's talking about me. Tell somebody he's talking about you. According to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. I want you to see four thoughts here in this passage of Scripture tonight, today. And three of them are in verse 6. He says you are heirs, he says you are members, and he says you are partakers. And then verse 10 really says you're a winner. You're an heir, you're a member, you're a partaker, and you're a winner. I believe that this message will help you today, if you'll hear it, to graduate to a new level of anointing flow in your life. If you'll hear this message today, it'll help you graduate to a new level of good things in your life and the anointing flowing in your life. We are heirs, it said. Heirs. You know, in this life, being an heir is bittersweet. Isn't it? Being an heir is bittersweet. It's sweet because well, you get all the stuff but it's bitter because somebody you care about has to die. Somebody meaningful to you has to die. But Jesus already died and rose again so you can get over the bitter. And being an heir of God is all sweet, praise God. It's just sweet. I, uh, I'm an heir of my grandpa's stories. Hopefully his wisdom and work ethic and a few things. When my grandfather died, my grandpa Holler died. The news went out in the family pretty fast. And the kids from Fort Worth and from other places swarmed in there the next day. I mean just swarmed in there to his house. I lived right across the street, from, right across the road from him, county road, right across the road from him. And I looked over there and they were going through his stuff in the garage. They were just going through his stuff taking tools and this, because Grandma was in there, and she wouldn't say no to any of them, you know. Had a whole bunch of grandkids, a bunch of cousins. And I just stood over there and watched them just go through that stuff. You, you saw that. Just watched them go through that stuff. And I thought, I ought to go over there and stop them. 
But then there's going to be a fight. Who do you think you are? And I turned around and walked back in the house. And I said, well, it's just like Grandpa used to say, and I caught myself. Wait a minute. They, they didn't spend any time with him. I already inherited it, what Grandpa had that was of any value. Who needs a pair of ice grips? <laughs> he told me the kind of things I can get my own vice grips. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> told me stories about living and about life. And I'll be telling you some as we, as we go along here. But he uh, poured his life into me. Being an heir. I mean, what are we heirs of? I mean, I'm, I'm just wondering. What happened to Patrick Henry, the governor, of, the governor of Virginia? What happened to his plantation? Who got it? Where'd that money go? He had, he had 10,000 acres at one time, the governor of Virginia. What happened to Patrick Henry's stuff? Man, bugs me. Where do you? Nah, you don't even care, do you? Do you know what Patrick Henry, Henry really left us? His life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God! I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. Yeah, now there's an inheritance. Right there will change your life. Get your own plantation with that kind of talk. Amen. Can I have a better amen? What happened to Peter's boat? What happened to that boat? He had a fleet of boats. Where'd they go? You know why you don't know? Because you don't care. All you care is what Peter said. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Glory to God. That's what we got from Peter. Who cares about his boat? <laughs> Amen. You're an heir. When you get the spirit things, when you get the supernatural things, you get the spiritual things, these heavenly things, the natural things take care of themselves. Can I have a better amen? amen? The greatest treasures of life are not material ones, but spiritual ones. Natural treasures do not provide spiritual treasures. On the contrary, spiritual treasures provide natural treasures. Jesus said it like this, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Glory to God. Notice the second thing he says. We're members of the same body. Members. We're part of the same body. That means you're members. That's what going to church is about. You cannot connect with every believer in every city, on every, in every country, in every, every continent of the world. You just can't do it. You know they're out there, and you know you're part of the same family. We all know this, right? We know there's really just one church, really just one body, and we're part of it. But you cannot connect with all of them by staying home and watching Brother Copeland on television. You connect with all of them by connecting with a group of them somewhere. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. Because you know instinctively in your heart. I mean, I've, I've talked to people who weren't even saved, and they say things like, I need to start going to church. We just have this instinctive thing we know. I, I, I was witnessing to some guys on the railroad one time, and I used any conversation they would have, any conversation they would, did I get it? Any conversation, 
any conversation that I, I could to, you know, work Jesus into the conversation. And they were talking about, you know, going to the bars and dating and what have you. I said, you go to the bars to date? Don't you, don't you, know, don't you know other guys have dated those girls that you're going there to? Yeah, but where else do I go? And one old, one old bonehead, I mean, he was as hardcore sinner as you get. He said, well, that ain't why I go there. I go there to get drunk. When I go looking for a wife, I'm going back to church. <laughs> well, I mean, it's good for something at least for him, you know. <laughs> now, if you met him in a bar, relax. I'm not against it. God can work in a bar, too. Hey, he really can. But, I mean, we all have this instinct that we know we belong. We need to belong. Because he said, you are members. You are. Anybody here ever had your foot go to sleep? Huh? Have that foot go to sleep? And you stand up, the rest of your body stands up and say, hey, 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 the body needs you. Wake up. My friend Craig back there, he's talking to his body right now. Huh? He's working on it, talking to it. Come on, I need you. Amen. He's going to get it too. Praise God. You ever have anything like that? You say, well, it's missing. You know, when, you, when, you, when you're not connected, there's no real blood flow to you. When you're not connected, there's no real blood flow to you. You've got to stay connected because it's who you are. That's what you were created for on the inside. Nobody gets saved to go live on top of a mountain and wait for the end to come. Did, did, did Jesus ever say, all right, now y'all are all saved now. What I want you to do is run up in the mountains and just sit down and wait for the end to come. <laughs> Try to stay holy. No, he didn't, he didn't do that. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to everybody. Get out there where the people are because they need this message. Paul says, your heirs... And your members. As a member, you have a purpose. You have a reason. I was uh, at Cowboy Stadium one time for Promise Keepers. And I have two stories to tell you about that event. I've, I've been there twice. so this, I, They may have been different events. I can't remember. But both Pro Promise Keepers events. Now, I am a Dallas Cowboy fan. And I know that's kind of crazy after 19 years of nothing. But I'm still, I'm still in. I'm still in. Got all the stuff. Got all the toys, you know. All, if people know that about me. Always, my birthday, I always get cowboy stuff. I'm trying to divvy it up to my grandsons now. They're not all that interested in it after night because they don't remember the glory days. They don't remember, you know. <laughs> Cowboys, they still, have a, they still have a team? They still play football? Yeah, they still play. But I was there at Texas Stadium before they tore the thing down. And there's a preacher there by the name of Tony Evans. I don't know if y'all know who Tony Evans is. He's a famous Dallas preacher. Tony Evans said he, he's a, he was the chaplain at the time. He was the chaplain of the Dallas Mavericks. And all the chaplains got tickets to all the, all the other sporting events, you know. And he said, man, I get it through a church, and especially in the late games, or he said, I or the Monday night games or anything like that, he said, man, I'd be out here early. 
sitting in the sitting in the seats. And I'd see him come in over there where the, where their, their entrance was. He said they had to walk across the field to go into the tunnel back there where the locker rooms are. He said, I sat there and I'd pray over them as they went in. That's back when we were winning Super Bowls. <laughs> he said, I'd pray over them as they, go, as they went in. This one go in, that one go in. One after another. He said, I got to noticing. That one right there is from Mexico. That one right there is from Hawaii. Oh, that's old so-and-so. He's from Florida. Washington and Illinois and Oklahoma and Maine and see there's all over everywhere. All over everywhere. He said, and they were Presbyterian and Baptist and Methodist and Catholic. Since some of them were brown and some of them were black and some of them were white. All these differences, one right after another, file through that tunnel back there. He said, but there was an amazing transformation that took place back in that tunnel. On the other end of that tunnel was their locker room. And he said, and they went back there, began to take off what they were out there in the world. Pull off the shirt, pull off the pants, pull off the hat, pull it all off, and reach in that locker. And there hangs a uniform. And they put on that, you know, I get goosebumps just thinking about it. Put on that uniform. And he said, it says C-O-W-B-O-Y-S on the back of it, cowboys. And he said, and when they come out of there, they're no longer Presbyterian or Methodist or Baptist or brown or black or white or Mexican or American or anything like that or Hawaiian. He said, every last one of them down to the very last man, the guy they hired yesterday is a Dallas cowboy. Glory to God. Amen. See, you're a member of something. Whatever you were, whatever you do, whoever you are out there, in here, we're all in the same family. We're all on the same team. God has made us members. And the eye needs the ear just like the mouth needs the... the now listen, listen. I know, I know, I know it's possible to get crosswise with somebody. I deal with the church right now. There's two prominent people, a prominent couple in the church have gotten a divorce. They got a divorce. And they both stayed in the church. Pastor's working with both of them. They're sitting on opposite sides of the room. Pastor's trying to work with them to get back together, you know, to fix it. And they're willing. They're working on it. They're kind of willing anyway. Still in the same church. Working on it. I, I know there's going to be things happen. But you're still a member of the body of Christ. Stay connected. Listen, I, I, get the, I get it. My nose and my armpit are part of the same body, but I don't think they need close fellowship. You know what I'm saying? Amen. Some people just aren't all that good for you. <laughs> but you're still part of the same body. All right. Did you notice what it said next? Verse 6, partakers. We are partakers. Now listen. Don't be religious and read, oh, it's all about heaven. In the future, we're going to, now you, there is such a place as heaven, and we are going to go there. But this is not talking about 
what we're going to get. This is talking about what we have right now. This is about the promise of the Spirit now. You have it now. And you have the benefits of it now. If the, Spirit of, if the Spirit of God comes into your life, has come into your life, then you have access to everything that's good about heaven. You hear me? If the Spirit of God is in your life, you have access to everything that's good about heaven right now. Luke eleven thirteen. Can you put that up there? Luke eleven thirteen. It says, If you then, being evil, speaking about men, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father Give the Holy Spirit to them that ask. Everybody say Holy Spirit. Now, now turn to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 11. Matthew 7 11. If you want to put them both up there at the same time, it's fine. That one was Luke eleven thirteen. 13. This one is Matthew 7 11. And it's the same thing. Jesus giving the same thing. Okay? Jesus says, If you then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children... How much more shall your Father which is in heaven give? Wow. It's the same, it's the same thing. It's the, whole, the whole thing is, if, if, if a father, if a son asks for, asks for a fish, will he give him a snake? If he asks for an egg, will he give him a, a scorpion? If he asks for a piece of bread, will he give him a stone? It's the same passage. But Luke records that he said Holy Spirit, and Matthew said, records that he said good things. I don't think it's either or. I think it's both. One just heard one thing. The other heard the other thing, and he said them both. What Jesus really said was, he's going to give you the Holy Spirit. I mean all good things. When you get the Holy Spirit, you get the good things too. Praise God. The Holy Spirit does not come into your life to torment you. The Holy Spirit does not come into your life to drive away all of your friends. I mean, that's what happened to me, but that wasn't his purpose. <laughs> I had some rotten friends. They wanted to come over and party and play music and carry on and act like fools, you know, when, before I knew Jesus. When I, they started coming over and I started talking about Jesus. They all started leaving. They wouldn't come back. They, they still got together. I was uh, talking about Jesus and they were someplace else talking about me. One of them, word got back to me, one of them said, one of them said, he came saw, he came saw me and said, well, they're saying that you've been brainwashed. I said, you go back and tell them it's true. My brain was dirty. It needed washing. <laughs> Amen. Can we turn to Acts 10, 38? One more reference. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about hurting people. No, what did, what did he go about doing? He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. See, when the Holy Spirit was on him, what did he do? He did good. Where do we get the idea that God is an angry God? Where do we get the idea that he's an evil God somehow, that he's, he's causing bad things to happen to us? Oh, Lord, I don't know why you wanted this to happen to me. No, 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 no. The Lord's not wanting anything like that to happen to you. He's a good God. He's good all the time, and he's good to his people. He's, 
He's in covenant with you. That means he can't, by covenant rules, do anything negative toward you. That's what covenant means. That's what covenant means. Okay, I like this side over here. I'll give you another chance in a minute. Partakers. I got, a, I got a sense of what heaven was like one time. And it was at that promise keepers meeting, or one of the promise keepers meetings. It might have been a different one than the one I told you about. I was at Texas Stadium again. Coach McCartney, who was the former coach of the uh, Colorado, what are they, Buffaloes? Yeah, the Colorado Buffaloes. They'd won the national championship under him. And uh, he's a great Christian man and built this men's movement called Promise Keepers. Fiddling football stadiums all over the country. If you've never heard 59,000 men sing Amazing Grace a cappella, boy, oh boy, man, that's an experience. How many of you have had, some, had an experience like that? It's, it's amazing, isn't it, Frank? I mean, just, whoo, whoo, just goosebumps thinking about it. Well, we did that. Coach McCartney said, we're going to divert, we're going we're gonna to veer off a little bit from our, from our agenda today. You see the next event here is this. We're going to take about 15 minutes and interject something here. You guys are going to get home a little later, but you're going to want this. He said, we have a real surprise for you. Welcome the coach. Tom Landry. Tom Landry comes out and starts preaching. Now listen, listen. If you love Jesus and you love the Dallas Cowboys... And you find yourself at Texas Stadium and Tom Landry shows up to preach. I told my guys, I said, hey guys, don't miss heaven. They say it's even better than this. <laughs> I can't all wait for heaven now because that was amazing. It was one of the best experiences of my life. You get, you get little glimpses here and there. Good things happening to you. You get glimpses of what God has in store for you in glory. You can't imagine. You can't even imagine how awesome it's going to be. Imagine walking down the streets, checking out the mansions, and you hear, you hear a voice off over there in the distance. You go, oh, I've kind of heard these things before. Who is it? And you go down there. There's a big crowd gathered around, and Paul's up there teaching them. Are you going to go sit down in that and listen to that a little while? You think you've already heard it because that's all I talk about. But... Paul knows more than the holler does, I promise you that. I'm going to go sit down at Paul's feet a little while ago. <laughs> I knew I was right. I knew I was right. Amen. Can't imagine the bliss and the glory and the power and the good things that God has in store for you and what God will release to you from that storehouse there in the here and now. I like that 10th verse. I like them all, but the 10th verse implies that we're winners. Could we read it again? It says that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. He's going to make a summation of it all, and you're going to be the centerpiece of that summation. You're a winner. Come on, tell somebody you're a winner. We tend to think like losers most of the time. It's always a what if. 
instead of a what if. Yeah, but what if? Instead of a what if? We tend to think like losers most of the time. Oh, I don't know. I don't know, brother. Oh, so-and-so tried that. Thinking like a loser. Almost every super rich person in this world has gone bankrupt. Almost every super rich person in this world has gone bankrupt at some time or another. Because they just keep thinking, what if? What if? What if? That's the way winners think. What if God could save that drunken husband of yours? What if God could save, let's, say, let's think big, your mother-in-law. I mean, he could save anybody. <laughs> what if God could, I saw some of these guys looking around at their mother-in-laws here. <laughs> They're already saved. This poor guy sends in an insurance claim. Insurance company writes back to him. They need more information because the story just, his injuries just don't seem to add up from a fall. He says, I'm writing in response to your request for additional information in block number three of the accident report form. I put poor planning as the cause of my accident. You said in your letter that I should explain more, and I trust that the following details are sufficient. I am a bricklayer by trade. On the day of the accident, I was working alone on the roof of a new six-story building. When I completed my work, I discovered that I had about 500 pounds of bricks left over. Rather than carry the bricks down by hand, I decided to lower them in a barrel by using a pulley, which fortunately was attached to the side of the building at the sixth floor. Securing the rope at the ground level, I went up on the roof, swung the barrel out, and loaded the bricks onto it into it. Then I went back down to the ground, untied the rope, holding it tightly to ensure a slow descent of 500 pounds of bricks. You will note in block number 11 that I weigh 165 pounds. <laughs> Due to my surprise at being jerked off the ground so suddenly, I lost my presence of mind and forgot to let go of the rope. Needless to say, I proceeded at a rather rapid rate up the side of the building. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel coming down. This explains the fractured skull and broken collarbone. Slowed only slightly, I continued my rapid ascent, not stopping until the fingers of my right hand were two knuckles deep into the pulley. Fortunately, by this time, I had regained my presence of mind and was able to hold tightly to the rope in spite of my pain. At approximately the same time, however, the barrel of bricks hit the ground and the bottom fell out of the barrel, emptying the bricks. <laughs> Devoid of the weight of the bricks, the barrel now weighed approximately 50 pounds. I refer again to my weight, 165 and block 11. As you can imagine, I began a rapid descent down to the side of the building. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel coming up. This accounts for my two fractured ankles and lacerations of my legs and lower body. The encounter with the barrel slowed me enough to lessen my injuries when I fell onto the pile of bricks and unfortunately only three vertebrae were cracked. 
I'm sorry to report, however, that as I lay there on the bricks in pain, unable to move, and watching the barrel six stories above, I lost my presence of mind yet again and let go of the rope. <laughs> I mean, without the help of God, you are a loser. Because <laughs> this is the kind of thing I would get involved in, you know, just in a natural man. But he says, with all that goes wrong in your life, he's already seeing the end. He's already written the end of the whole story. And you're on the winning side. Your life doesn't have to end with a broken barrel and a broken body and a pile of bricks. Your life will end with victory and triumph and glory because God has already accounted your sin onto Jesus and his victory, his victorious resurrection over on to you. Hallelujah. So you're a winner. Born a winner. These are New Testament realities. Old Testament says, you lousy, low life, licentious, lazy, lout. That all comes from the law. But grace says, the new covenant says, you have God's Riches, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. So we are heirs, members, partakers, winners. Let's say it together. We are heirs, members, partakers, winners. Father, thank you for these, your people today. Thank you for the anointing of the Holy Ghost that brings to life the word of God for every hearer here. Bless them, bless them with sure, the sure mercies of David, David and the surety and assurance of being called into the family of God, that we are heirs, members, partakers, and winners. Thank you for your people today. Let these words ring true for everyone here who has a need. Let these words be like seeds into their hearts, that they will come forth with great harvest and great results so that the people of God can live in great victory in the name of Jesus. With your heads bowed just for a moment, I need to speak to those of you who are here. Now, we believe God brings you here. We believe God brings people here. And he brings people here because we, we do our best to be faithful to tell you this little story. It's not just a little story. It's the story of all stories. The Bible calls it the good news. When we were yet in our trespasses and sins, Christ was obedient to God and died for our sins. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and He was buried, and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. This story is true. He really did die, and He really did rise from the dead. And He's alive forevermore, overseeing what's going on right here, right now. That little tug at your heart is the Holy Spirit, the power of God, working on you to receive because he wants you in heaven. He's not trying to keep you out of heaven. He's not trying to keep anybody out of heaven. He wants you in heaven. And that's why Jesus died, why he rose again, why he did all that he did so you could come to know him. If you are here today and you say, Preacher, I think you're talking to me. I want to make it right. I want to make sure that if I, if I didn't make it through this day somehow, that I'd be ready to go to heaven. I'd be ready to go to heaven. I need Jesus in my life. Are you here and you say, that's me? Would you just raise a hand? I want to pray with you. I'm not going to make you come forward. I just want you to say, acknowledge it by faith. Use an action of faith by lifting your hand and say, that's me. That's me. I need you to pray for me. 
I want to be right with God. I want to know that if I died tonight, I'd go to heaven. Glory to God. God bless you. God bless you. I see you. God bless you. God bless you. Now, we've had people raise their hands here this morning. I want to ask the people of God here to pray. Pray with me that they can receive the salvation that they need, that they all desperately need. I'd like to have everybody first look at me. Everybody look at me. Everybody, especially if you raise your hand. Everybody look at me. Now, those of you who raised your hand, I want you to look around this room just for a minute. How many of you in this room found yourself in this, in this situation where you raised your hand or they called you forward? You needed a Savior and you had to acknowledge it somehow. Let me see your hands. Huh? See? So, so, so you're in good company. If you raised your hand this morning, you're in good company. Nobody here is going to judge you. Nobody here is going to pick on you because we've all, we're all in the same boat. We all needed the same Savior. That's why we all have the same Savior. He loves you. He loves you dearly. And if you'll pray with me right now, and the people of God are going to help us pray, if you'll pray with me right now, Jesus Christ will come into your life. The Spirit of God will touch your heart, and He will transform you and make you a brand-new creature. Amen. Can I get a good amen? All right, let's say it together. Dear God in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name, and I believe in Jesus. I'm saying it with my mouth. Christ died for my sins. According to the Scriptures, I believe He was buried, and I believe he rose again from the dead. That is my confession. So I believe now that I am saved because I believe this with my heart. I confess it with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord over my life, over my everything. Lord, I give you all that I am and ask you to take control. And I do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's shout to God for the new family members. Now for sure, now for sure you're an heir, a member, a partaker, and a winner. Amen.